Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Emma Rose Cohen, founder of Final Straw. And if you want to learn how to build better relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with our good friend, Travis Chapel. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey there, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Emma Rose Cohen. Emma is the CEO and founder of Vinyl, which is a company that promotes a cleaner environment through the use of a single travel straw. Her passion for sustainability sparked when she studied at the University of California, Santa Barbara, and transcended into earning a master's degree from Harvard for environmental management and sustainability. The idea for her company, Final, began because she could not find any reusable, travel-friendly straws in the market in 2018 and knew the damage of single-use plastic straws to the environment. Final Straw quickly raised $2 million in a matter of just weeks with a Kickstarter campaign. And since then, the company has continued to grow with the expansion of new products. Guys, it's going to be such an amazing conversation with Emma. I can't wait to get into it. First, really, really quickly though, if you are a content creator and you want to book guests that are similar to Emma and some of the other amazing people we've been able to talk to on the show, then you're going to want to head over to guestio.com to check out the new software platform that we just built and put out recently that helps connect you as a creator to high-profile guests for your show. That's guestio.com. You can get over there, create a free account, 
and get started booking people today, guestio.com. Emma, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the show. Yeah, Travis, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So I want to, before we jump into more tactical, practical things, I want to build a little bit of context for people listening and uh, talk about early life. Take it way back. We're going to, we're going to take it pretty far back here. Okay. So let's, let's go, let's say 10, 11 year old Emma, what, where were you growing up? What were your parents like? How was school? Stuff like that. (laughs) Well, 10 year old Emma was a handful you know, back in the day, you might say bossy. Now you just say assertive. Um, <laughs> you know, there's this one story that my parents tell that I absolutely love. And we were at my grandma's house in LA and like, I climbed like 10 stairs up and I was like, mom, watch. And I like, like leap off the stairs. And then my little sister is like, you know, two stairs up and she's like, look mom. And like jumps off the two. So I think, you know, from a young age, I was definitely a daredevil and, <laughs> and kind of had some ideas about how I thought the world should run and, you know, would, would listen to what other people thought, but then would kind of act as I saw fit. So, you know, not the easiest kid, but luckily I make it up to my parents a lot now. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely uh, displayed some of those entrepreneurial tendencies pretty early on then, huh? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I started my first business at like seven. I, I went around the neighborhood and collected all the fallen fruit and off of my neighbor's trees and then went and sold it at the farmer's market and rallied all my friends to like work for me. So, you know, (laughs) early on I was, the hustle was, was going. We used to like, like choreograph dances at at people's garage sales and like literally had like a hat out front to like collect money. And I was always scheming from a young age. (laughs) Yeah. Scheming is a good word for it. How, How did you do with school then? Were you happy about school? Not happy about school somewhere in between? You know, I I was blessed with my father's brains. And so I, luckily school is always pretty easy for me, but I didn't really, I, I cared enough because I wanted, you know, growing up with Jewish parents, like you have to get good grades, but I only performed to get the good grades. Like I would always do the bare minimum to get an A. And like in high school, like I kind of like fell in with the wrong crowd, started smoking weed and just like would just do enough to get decent enough grades. And and I luckily got into college and, and made it through Santa Barbara, which is a whole other story in terms of abusing substances, but yeah, I was going to say that's uh, a school that's not known as much for its academics as it is for its partying from what I hear. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy. And I look back on it now and it's, it's like, wow, I can't believe that's the same person because <laughs> I feel like a very different relationship with substances now. And in, in terms of like, you know, I don't really drink and I, I will use things in more of like a ceremonial sort of way. Mm-hmm. And it means a lot more now. And, and then it was more of like an escape. Yeah, but I sure. think that a lot of people with ADD end up kind of self-medicating at a young age. And, and I think, um, you know, looking back on it now, it's obviously 2020, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a little reckless back then. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So I, I, if we have some time at the end, I do want to come back to that and just kind of talk about some of the things that you're using now in those more self-development type ways. But to move the story along, you end up uh, being done at Santa Barbara and you go to Harvard, right? For your master's. What was that experience yeah. like? It was really cool. I I was lucky enough to get a mentor at, at, when I was working at Los Alamos National Laboratory who recommended the program to me. And at the time I was doing my JD MBA at UNM 
And I just hated it. I would like get in fights with the teachers and I just didn't feel like challenged in an exciting way. I think when you do a master's program, it's so different because like it actually feels a little more applicable to like what you want to do in life. Whereas mm. like, like certainly high school has like zero application to day to day. And kind of, I mean, depending on what you study in college, like you probably aren't using your degree. So, you know, to be I'm working, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, anyways, so she recommended this program at Harvard, which is a remote program. So I got to work at the lab and then also travel to Cambridge like every semester and go do some stuff on campus, but then also remote. And it was really cool because it was the first time I was actually in school for something that I was working on because I was actively working in the lab and waste minimization. And I could kind of immediately apply what I was learning to work. Mm. And, and it was really exciting. And it was, it's a new pro new ish program. And there's just like a lot of energy and, and it kind of opened my eyes up to, you know, the new path that I was kind of going down in life. Yeah. And what was the next step for you in that path? I had no idea. Um, I mean, <laughs> wait, so you didn't have it figured out then? No, I still oh, don't. Interesting. I mean, interesting. I think, uh, at that point I knew my passion was in sustainability, but that's it. I, that was kind of like, you know, I really, I'm fascinated by waste. Um, I look at, you know, natural systems and the way that humans are the only creatures in the world that create waste. And I think, that really it's it's just fundamentally a design flaw and in both the systems and the products that we're creating. And so, you know, I was miserable at the lab. I'm not a federal employee. I'm like mm, the opposite right. of, of a federal employee. Like I just have no place in a government institution. So I didn't really know what I was going to do next. And really right before starting final, I resigned to being a ski bum and living up in Whistler. So that's what I kind of figured my passion was going to be for a little while. <laughs> and that's what it was, or you had yeah. some other big moment that took you away from that? So I, I quit my job at the lab. I finished my degree and I was like, okay. And I just ended like a three year relationship. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to move up to Canada, be a ski bum, eat ramen and, you know, get, become one with the mountains. And so I moved up there and and I started working on this project on the side. It was just kind of like this fun idea. I knew that Seattle was banning straws in January of 2018. So I was like, oh, the timing could be kind of good. There's no collapsible, like portable straws on the market. So maybe there is space for this. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, oh, well, you know, I'll figure something else out. Yeah. So... I just kind of became obsessed and didn't ski nearly as much as I wanted to. And instead <laughs> busted my ass to get this Kickstarter up and running in, in April of 2018. And it, you know, all of the hard work really paid off. And I think, um, it's obviously not just hard work. It was a big old stroke of luck and the timing was impeccable. And, and those kind of three factors together, you know, allowed the campaign to go viral. So let's talk a little bit about tactics here. When you say that you were working your ass off instead of skiing, what exactly were you doing? Like, did you know from the beginning, this is something that I will only try on Kickstarter? Did you like start trying to get some ideas and maybe try to raise a little bit of money? And people were like, well, maybe you should try Kickstarter because I don't want to give you money. Like what exactly did that process look like from a tactical standpoint? No, it was always Kickstarter. And it's so funny because I don't even know why, because I never even backed a Kickstarter before. I knew <laughs> very little, but I was like, this is kind of a great way to see if this is a good idea. 
because, yeah, you know, before we launched it, it was like, you know, my mom's like begging me not to quit my job. My friends are like cute straw. Like, why'd you leave your like, you know, amazing job with benefits? And I'm like, Ugh. well, <laughs> let's see how the public responds to this idea. And so that's really why, why Kickstarter was the choice. And, you know, I never went to investors ahead of time. It was just like, let's see if this is something people like and, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But, you know, in terms of like working my ass off, what that means is developing a super robust free campaign strategy. So, you know, I have a PhD from the University of YouTube and really (laughs) everything that you need to know about creating a successful Kickstarter campaign, really creating a business in general is on the internet and very accessible. There's just so much information out there, but there's two blogs in particular that Tim Ferriss had put up about creating an email list and then also um, creating a, you know, running a successful Kickstarter campaign. And, and so I kind of just followed those instructions to a T. And then while I was doing that, I was doing a really big press roundup. And so I created Google news alerts for the word plastic straw and every single reporter that wrote about plastic straws three months prior to our launch, I reached out to, there's about 700. And I was like, Hey, seems like you love plastic straws. Guess what? I'm launching this amazing alternative. Well, I got zero responses from all 700 emails until like a couple weeks before the Kickstarter, I got one response from Buzzfeed. And so I brought over a couple prototypes and mind you, these prototypes looked like they were made in my garage. Like they were just, <laughs> we made them look pretty cute on the Kickstarter, but they were just floppy and a little weird. And but you, and you got the idea, like you sure, got yeah, the right. idea across. And so, yeah, that BuzzFeed video went viral and it just was off to the races. How did you develop the prototypes initially? How did you design and actually get somebody to create something that looked at all similar to what you had envisioned for it? Yeah, so I mean, you know, the prototype was really simple. We just got someone to mock up the case in CAD. And then the straw itself was just pieces of metal that we had laved at a local lathing shop and some uh, medical tubing that was secured with orthodontist rubber bands. So we divert it all together. Yeah, right. And when you say you got someone to, to, to put a CAD together, was that like Fiverr or Upwork or you knew somebody? No, just friends of friends. Okay. Got it. Yeah, just curious on the uh, the practical side there. So you launched the Kickstarter campaign. How instant or non-instant was the video view count going up? Instant. Really? It was insane. And it was like, so we clicked uh, go at like 1.30 in the morning or something after like scrounging to launch this thing. Mm-hmm. And bought, bought the first straw. And I was like, oh, we got a sale. And then it was like, and then at the same time, because I'd done the pre-campaign strategy, at the moment we launched, all of these people were notified. And so it was like, like, dink, 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 dink. And then it was just like, boom. And, and it was, it was insane. I was, wow. I had a full, like, nervous system breakdown. And I... <laughs> like, is was, this actually happening? Is Am I missing something yeah. here? Like, the closest physical feeling I can describe it to was skydiving. And like, I was Mm. shaking. I couldn't, like, I was either, you know, kind of hysterical laughing or hysterical crying. Like, I mean, I was a mess. Like I called one of my girlfriends and, you know, I was freaking out. She's like, dude, you look like you're on meth. Like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Like, ah, (laughs) Um, 
it was wild. I mean, you know, to have an idea and, and be excited about it and believe in it is one thing. And then to have the world say yes. Yeah, validate that it's, idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the most beautiful feeling. And especially like working in sustainability, it can be so depressing. Like every day is a battle you know, and every day is an uphill battle of convincing people that like to change their behavior, like that's the hardest thing to get people to change. And it, it, it wears on you. Like I don't wake up every single day. Like we got this, like there's days where I'm just like FML, like what? I don't know what to do. (laughs) And, and so, you know, it was just such a beautiful moment where it was like, no, people actually do want to do the right thing. We just have to start providing better alternatives to single use plastic. Yeah, that's why I love the entrepreneurial community because uh, the entrepreneurial community, I think, can solve problems in a way that that nonprofits can't. Not to say that nonprofits shouldn't exist or anything like that, but I just, in my opinion, I think the entrepreneurial community is just more, is better suited to kind of solve some of these bigger problems. And, and props to you for, for jumping in and creating something that did that. Um, and this is the difference to me, Emma, between looking for a dollar and solving a real problem. And I think that some people get caught up in the entrepreneurial chase of finding money rather than finding problems and creating epic solutions for those problems. And this is a perfect example of you, like your goal wasn't, I want to raise $2 million on Kickstarter. Your goal was, I want to take my passion for sustainability and create a solution for this big problem that I see. And, uh, and if you know, the world likes that, then we'll go forward with it. If not, then uh, it was still fun for me to work on it for a while. And I think, I think that that's, uh, that's a, a really underrated way of coming about new ideas. And uh, so I just want to acknowledge you for, for stepping into that, uh, that version of yourself and creating something that's really cool and, and powerful for the world. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you. That work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash 
Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Talk to me a little bit about what's happened since then and the growth that you've, that you've experienced in the company and then what you're excited about uh, with the new product line that you're that you're launching. Yeah, totally. I mean, just to that point, you know, I'm, I'm a dirtbag at heart. Like I, <laughs> I don't... I don't feel like I need an excess of things to be happy. And I think when you kind of come to that mental state, it really is a big shift in terms of like how you see the world, what kind of filters are on and how you show gratitude on a day-to-day basis. So really every sale we get every day, I'm grateful for. And it's like, you know, it's, it's never been about the money. It's, it's of course that's nice. And it is a motivating factor because you have to, make money in order to run a business, but it, it certainly can't be the motivating factor because there, you'll never make enough money. Right. Every single entrepreneur will always want to make more and, and that's a hard thing to chase. Yeah, we've got so many cool and exciting things coming up. Um, since Final Straw, we had this just insane amount of people wanting a, a boba straw. And I was like, no, I'm not making a boba straw. Like, that was crazy. And then I went to a boba shop and there was like a line around the corner and I was like, <laughs> right. okay, I guess I should make a boba straw. And I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm really, one of the kind of guiding principles for me is I'm not going to make something unless it's innovative and different. And if I'm not solving a problem, you know, like people, some advisors have been like, oh, you should just slap your name on a metal straw and call it final. And I'm like, no, it's like, that's not what final is. Final is innovative. Final is design forward. Final is doing something amazing and, and proprietary. So we we developed this dual durometer silicone tube for Biggie, which basically means that it's it's got multiple hardness levels. So it avoids the vacuum or suction effect of like sucking a really thick smoothie. So yeah, it's called Biggie Straw and you can literally suck anything. Um, we made our poor mermaid uh, spokesperson suck like mayonnaise and mac and cheese and <laughs> really thick salsa. And it's it, there was nothing that you couldn't suck. I love the marketing <laughs> campaigns that you guys use with that too. Uh, it's, it's just so many creative things that uh, that it lends itself to. But yeah, go on. Yeah, thanks. I mean, you know, on that, I think what I want to do with the brand voice that's kind of different than a lot of other brands is bring that fun aspect. It's like sustainability can be a sexy, fun, sparkly party. And that's going to bring a lot more eyeballs than, you know, the kind of traditional Sarah McLaughlin PETA sort of vibe. Um, (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, sure, it has its place, but that's just not me. And that's not how I want to spread the message. I don't want to be like, this is the dire situation. Even (laughs) though it's there, it's like, hey, let's change our behavior in a fun way and spread the word by being you know, changing the social norms and being agents of change. But back to products, we also have launched Final Fork and Final Spork, which are the sexiest fork and spork you've ever seen. And I don't use that word lightly because who's ever described a fork as sexy um, until now? (laughs) But there's just something sexual about the fork. I don't know. It's just like the curves and the weight and the way it like snaps together. Like, oh man, getting a little fired up talking about it. But... Yeah. You know, I think it's like, obviously I've always wanted to move beyond the straw. Um, we have, you know, a million critics out there who are like, Oh, you're never going to, you're going to ban straws and you're not going to change the thing. It's like, well, damn right. You got to start somewhere. And you know, you can't 
you can't like change people's behavior by, by making these huge giant leaps. Like you have to make it digestible. You have to make it approachable and something where people can get a win. And so that's what I love about our products is that it's, it's really easy to kind of incorporate them into your life and they're all made in keychains. And so you can just attach it to your keys, goes where you go, and then you, you get a heightened experience. And, and I think that's, you know, one of the really big pointers and in, in why people are adopting these kind of reusables is that it not only is it better for the planet, but it feels good. Like the sound it makes when it deploys the weight of it, the curves that are there, you know, the feeling of it going into your mouth. Like I literally test mouthfeel, like these crazy things that, that you don't necessarily think about when you're eating. But then when you have this kind of alternative experience, the food tastes better and the whole experience is heightened. And, and that's really how I think we're going to get people to, to change their behavior and, and adopt these kind of more sustainable alternatives. Yeah. And if you don't think that mouthfeel is important, then try sucking on one of those paper straws that they give you at some of these restaurants. Cause that is the worst experience. It makes me like, I, I immediately throw it away. I'm like, I, I'll, I'll just drink from the, from the cup. I'm not using this. Oh yeah. Straw. It feels just like so if, filthy and weird. If I wanted like a piece of like paper biodegrading in my mouth, I would just chew on a gum wrapper yeah. <laughs> um, or something. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, like, I, you know what I would do? I would eat my burrito wrapper with my burrito. So yeah, exactly. Just don't unwrap the burrito. Just exactly. eat it straight through the paper. Yeah, that's <laughs> a very similar experience. Yeah, so. Um, Perfect. You just coined my new marketing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. As long as I can be in it. No, oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, so guys, if you're listening to this right now and you want to go check out some of the uh, products that Final has to offer, which I highly recommend, uh, head over to final.co. They made it super, super simple for you to head over there. That's final.co. You'll be able to see the super, super sexy uh, Final Spork and Final Fork up on the website, as well as the original Final Straw and the Biggie Straw. So I highly recommend going and checking those out. Emma, I, I do want to talk with you a little bit about relationships and connections here before we take off and uh, say goodbye. And uh, the question that I ask every guest that's come on the show that kind of moves that this conversation in that direction is this. I'm curious to hear your answer. Who you know or what you know? Which of those mm -hmm. two do you think is more important and why? I really was pondering this question for a while today. I went on a nice long walk and I think it's like, they're not mutually exclusive because if you know really amazing, important people, but then you can't back it up with substance, then what's, what is it going to do? Yeah, it'll move you along. But then, you know, when it really comes time to, to prove yourself, because we can't just move along a life with who we know, then, then you'll fall short. But that being said, geez, it's impossible to be successful in business without making connections, without talking to people, without learning from others and, and, you know, creating those, those important connections. So it's, Ooh, it's so hard. I guess like <laughs> if you said like, Emma, would you rather be a genius and know all the facts or like meet these three key people? I would probably say meet the people because you can learn so much from others versus just reading it on the internet. Yeah, I ultimately obviously agree with you. I wouldn't have a show about it. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the, final, the final thing, the, the straw that breaks the, the camel's back to me is that 
relationships fulfill another side of you besides the success piece. If you have the right people in your life, it's not just going to it's not just going to make you more successful and put you on higher ground and elevate the person that you are and the person that you're becoming. It's also going to make you feel more fulfilled and I just don't don't think that knowledge has as much of a, an ability to to do that. I think that we we need and and we crave that 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 real mm-hmm. connectivity with with other human beings. Absolutely. I think we've all felt that so much harder this year. Oh, yeah. You know, being much more isolated than we've ever been before. And yeah, I I completely agree. I think, you know, spending good time with friends is is way more fulfilling than reading a great book. But, but yeah. you know, like... It's still very important. A great yeah. book means you get to bring, you know, a different perspective and something new and fresh to, to the conversation with the friends. So... Sure. Who you know, final answer. <laughs> all right, all right, sweet. <laughs> we'll, we'll mark it down and hold you to it. Okay, uh, Emma, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we got to move on to the last segment, something I like to call the random round. Just quick random questions, quick random answers. You ready? Yep. What profession other than your own do you think that would be fun to attempt? Pro skier. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and chat for an hour, who would it be? My great, great, great grandma. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? Podcast, for sure. What is a go-to podcast of yours? Jeez, luckily I'm out of my true crime spree, but I mean, always Tim Ferriss. I've been listening to a, the Align podcast lately. I'm actually on a on a book right now. So I'm on Audible. That's kind of been the big one. And I'm listening to uh, The Surrender Experiment. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. So it definitely changes and morphs, but first thing is make my bed, then drink a glass of warm lemon water, which I'm obsessed with now, and then meditate and journal for a couple minutes, and then listen to a pump-up song and dance around like a weirdo. (laughs) Uh, And and coincidentally, the next question is, what is your go-to pump-up song? Uh, So I definitely did like, overplay songs a million times. I've been listening to the that Roses song a lot, but there's this playlist on Spotify called I'm a Rap Fan, But These House Songs Slap. And <laughs> I've just kind of been putting that on shuffle. What is something that, you know, setting business aside here, what's something in general that you're just not very good at? I'm terrible at diving into water. <laughs> That's a great answer. Yeah, I love that answer. As we get everything wrapped up here, Emma, what's one place online where our listeners can go to connect with you the most? Yeah, so obviously you can check, you can contact Final. We're on Instagram at Final Straw. If you want to hit me up personally, I'm on Instagram at Emma Sirena, which is mermaid in Spanish or S I R E N A. So if you want to learn more from Emma, go connect with her on Instagram. Go check out final.co, connect with Final on Instagram and uh, be a supporter of their products as I know I am and uh, and we'll be using a lot of these other things going forward. Emma, thank you so much for taking the time. I had a fantastic time chatting with you and I think uh, we had a great conversation. Listeners are really going to enjoy. Anytime, Travis. I look forward to our ad campaign coming soon, 2021. Yes, me too. <laughs> I'll send my audition tape in soon. Perfect. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.